0: I want to invite you to find your seats. We'll have time afterwards for fellowship, Uh, have some coffee, enjoy the nice weather outside. Uh, My name is Dan Song. I'm one of the pastors here at Restoration, and it's good to see you all on this Palm Sunday. uh, As we head into the Holy Week, Uh, hopefully you'll be able to follow along, whether it's through our devotionals, through our Bible reading, and especially as we come to this weekend with Good Friday service and Easter, we hope you can all join us. Uh, one of the things, we're going to actually, if you've been coming to our Good Friday service uh, for the past, I don't know, for however long, uh, we're doing things a little differently this year. So we want to encourage you to come out. We're actually going to have the Lord's Supper together as a church family, as we remember what Jesus did for his disciples, and as he was mindful of us, we'll participate in the Lord's Supper together. And then also experience kind of what is called the tenebrae, which leads us into the darkness of Jesus's death. And so hope you can come to that. And then, you know, I've already invited a few neighbors and uh, my contractor to uh, Easter. I haven't heard back yet, but please do. As Jenny Lynn said, these are one of the few times my contractor was like, yeah, we usually will come out on Easter and Christmas. So it really, it really, they do open up their hearts to maybe consider coming to church with uh, their family or with others, so do invite those that maybe you're in relationship with. But if you have a Bible, turn to John chapter 19. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles provided for you underneath the chair in front of you. And there, if you're using that, turn to page 906, 906. And we're going to be looking at the sixth word uh, of Jesus on the cross, as we've been doing dur- as we've been doing during this Lenten season. We've been looking at the last words of Jesus. On Good Friday, we'll look at the last word that Jesus says before he bows his head and dies on the cross. Um, But today we're looking at the sixth word, which is, it is finished. And so if you were with us last week, we looked at John chapter 19 right here in this same scenario. And we're going to continue starting in verse 29 through 30. And look at the sixth word, after Jesus had said, I thirst." He cries out, it is finished. So follow along with me. It's a short, just short two verses, and then we'll dive in. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to Jesus' mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the words that you uttered from the cross that helps us to understand why and the purpose of your death on the cross for your creation. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this morning for those that need encouragement, that you would encourage us for those that need hope, that you would fill us with hope this morning, for those that are lost, that you would give us purpose And so just draw near to us wherever we're at so that we might not only be instructed in our minds, but that, Lord, it would touch our hearts to transform us and make us more like you. Do that good work we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at this word, it is finished. It's a word that is pretty familiar with all of us, right? I hear it constantly in my own home. Uh, When the kids ask for anything, they'll say, Dad, can we go watch TV? Can I go on the computer? Can I go out and hang out with my friends? Uh, Can I watch YouTube? I'll always say, well, you got to do something. So lately it's been like, you can go with your friends if you clean your room. You can go watch, you could go on the computer if you clean your room. You get kind of the drift here. You can go watch TV if you clean your room. Now, about five minutes later, they're watching TV. They're on the computer. My oldest is about to go out and hang out with his friends. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. What happened in five minutes? And I say, hold up. And I go to their rooms and surprise, surprise, hardly anything's been cleaned. And I immediately go to them and I'm like, what did you do? They're like, it's finished. I cleaned, I did exactly what you told me to do. And I'm saying, time out, We're, you can't do anything until you actually clean your room. And it's also been happening in another sense in the home because we've been doing some work to our basement. And as contractors come in, you know, they finally have an end date and they'll say, it is finished. And then you go down to the basement and you look around and there is a list of things that they have not finished. And so you text them and you go, here are all the things that still need to be addressed that you haven't done. Now, thanks be to God, when Jesus uttered these, utters these words from the cross, it is finished. He means it. It is finished. And that's what we want to look at here this morning. And what does these words actually mean? But then secondly, not only look at the meaning of these words, but the struggle for us to actually accept these words, that it is finished. So let's just briefly look at the meaning of his words, it is finished. Mark's account of the gospel in chapter 15, verse 37, Mark actually says this. He records that Jesus uttered a loud cry. Now Mark doesn't say what he uttered, But he hears it loud enough that it is a loud cry that Jesus utters. Now John is close enough and we we saw that a few weeks ago where Jesus is near the cross with Mary, Jesus' mother. And so he's close enough to be able to record exactly what Jesus says. So it's not just that he says it, but he cries out, it is finished. Now, in the English language, it's three words, but in the Greek, in what Jesus actually cried out, it was one word that he cries out, and it is this word, tetelestai. Now, I think here, the translation is vague and ambiguous, and I think it's just lacking, because first, it's just too passive. It's not that something was done to Jesus, or something happened to Jesus, but rather, Jesus is the active one who did it. He's the one that finished it. But secondly, I think it's just not a good translation. Finished is the sense of, of being something being over or done. Kind of like my kid saying, well, I cleaned the room. It's over. It's done. Or my contractor saying, my contract with you is over. But really the sense that Jesus says when he says tetelestai is the sense of completion. It is the sense of accomplishment, of perfection, that Jesus has accomplished something. And so the better definition or better sense in what Jesus says when he says tetelestai is that it is the sense of he has completed the task and mission he was sent to do by his Father in heaven. He accomplished and fulfilled the mission that God, his father, gave him to do. The task that was at hand. He did it perfectly, completely, fully. Now there's these archaeologists back in the 1890s who was excavating in Egypt. And they found all of these sorts of things, right? But one of the things that they found was these receipts. Just ordinary receipts that you would would have and scribbled on all of these receipts, you know what word was on there? die." Fully paid. In other words, when we hear these words, die," given by Jesus, what's happening is that Jesus has fully accomplished and paid in full the debt that was ours. Your account with God. When you stand in the shadow of the cross, there's nothing more that you need to do in following Jesus. It is completely, fully done to the utmost. Now the question is, well, what did he accomplish? Well, it's everything we've been talking about, right? In these words that Jesus uttered from the cross. Forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus forgave us through his death and his sacrifice, his blood shed. We are forgiven. When he says, when he says, uh, Why, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was forsaken. He suffered as we go into this holy week. We realize that he suffered to the nth degree for us. In John's gospel, since we're here, from the very early on, when Jesus begins his ministry, do you know what he continues to say over and over again in his ministry? He says, my hour has not yet come. My time has not yet come. And then when he comes to this Passion Week, this Holy Week, as he enters into Jerusalem, do you know what he says? My hour has come. Meaning his death, his sacrifice, his suffering on the cross. This was his to accomplish and fulfill for you and for me. When he tells Mary and John, this is your mother, this is your son. He was creating a new family, a new community. These are the things that Jesus was accomplishing for us. When he last week we looked at I thirst. Not just a physical thirst, but this spiritual longing that we all have. He thirsted so we might never have to thirst so that we might actually taste living water that Revelations looks at, to invite us to come and drink. These are the things that Jesus was accomplishing on the cross when he says, it is finished. But more so, even more than that, you know what else he accomplished? He became the fulfillment of everything that the Old Testament pointed to. Every prophecy, every type in Jesus being the ultimate prophet, being the ultimate priest, being the ultimate king, right? We've been look- we looked at that previously in our First Samuel series. You see the failure of king after king after king, especially beginning with Saul, and we'll see that in David as we po- post Easter. But Jesus was the perfect king, prophet, priest. One scholar said it this way, when Jesus said it is finished, he brought about the completion of all the Old Testament prophecies, symbols, and foreshadowing about himself. He brought about the redemption, in other words. To accomplish the purpose of God so that we might be able to experience forgiveness, joy, contentment because of what he has done for you and for me. When he cried out, die, It was one of victory. How ironic, right? Here, Jesus hangs helpless, suffering dying on the cross and what does he cry out a cry of victory it is finished it is done i have done it all for you and for me but the irony for us is that all too often this isn't a cry of victory it's one of struggle and doubt for you and for me and this is my second point here these words is a struggle for us to accept That Jesus accomplished it fully to the utmost, all of it for you and for me. Even the thoughts I had this week basically came down to this. Have I done enough as a father? Have I done enough as a husband? Have I done enough as a pastor? Have I done enough as a neighbor? Because over and over again I was reminded of all my failures and I haven't measured up I haven't done enough to be able to earn my salvation to earn the roles that God has given me and I need to do and fill up the rest of what Jesus hasn't done for me have I achieved enough to be worthy to be successful that's what an Enneagram 3 wrestles with every single day Have I done enough? Have I achieved enough? Have I been successful enough? Have I measured up? And we all doubt that Jesus truly did everything for you and for me. There is no aspect, I think, of Christian faith more difficult for us to believe than this, that Jesus did it all. It is just our human nature to think that Christ's work could not completely be finished, that we actually have to do more. We have to add to it. We have to earn it. And that's why we struggle to believe these words. The ending of the movie Saving Private Ryan is a good example of this. And I've shared this illustration before. But Tom Hanks is a central character of this movie. And and, and he plays this character named Captain Miller. And it opens with this massive D-Day, right? Most of us have seen it. And it's just brutal. And Captain Miller leads the squad ashore. And amidst all of this carnage and devastation, they somehow survive, but they're called to a random task, which is to save this private Ryan, played by Matt Damon. Also my wife's crush forever. (laughs) I always have to put that in there. I forgot to say it in the first service. (laughs) But they're called to save this private Ryan, and it's random because his three older brothers have died. And so their job is to rescue him and save him so that their entire, not their, so that at least one sibling, one brother is alive for their mom. So they lead to find this man and this climactic battle scene. Tom Hanks is almost dying or dying next to this bridge. And after having found Private Ryan, he pulls Private Ryan next to him. And as he dies, he brings him close and says, Earn this. Earn it. And Tom Hink dies. Now the movie jumps to 50 years later and there's Private Ryan standing in front of this memorial and he tells his wife who's next to him, tell me I lived a good life. Tell me I'm a good man. In other words, what, what Private Ryan was asking is, did I earn this? Did I earn this man's sacrifice? Ryan, Private Ryan is tormented all these years by the idea that he has not earned that sacrifice. And all too often, that is our struggle. As we think about Jesus' sacrifice, have I earned it? Have I done enough? Have I measured enough to be able to earn? My salvation, because Jesus' sacrifice, his completion on the cross isn't enough. And we wrestle with that and we're tormented by that. And we wait and we live with this weight of burden and guilt and shame because we feel like we haven't measured up as followers of Jesus. And so our walk with him is burdensome, it's exhausting, it's tiring. But here, we must take Jesus at his words. When he cries out, It is finished. We must take and believe with faith and trust that we don't have to look for something or try to live perfectly to earn his sacrifice. It has already been done and accomplished for you and for me. This is what Tim Keller, when he Preached on this word, this is what he said. He said, If you could summarize Christianity into one word, it would be this one. It is finished. When Buddha died, his last words, according to tradition, were, Strive without ceasing. The last words of Jesus Christ are, Don't you dare strive. I have done all the striving necessary. Two utterly different endings to the life of these, lives of these two men. And if I were to add, Two starkly different lives of the followers of Buddha and Jesus. And yet, all too often, we look exactly like followers of Buddha. We continue to strive. We try to earn. We try to think that if we just do this, then I am worthy. I'm accepted. I've done enough to accomplish. And yet, you realize over and over again, we fall so short. We fall so, so short. So here's what this means for us. We don't have to try to find our worth in other things. We try to find our worth in friendships, in relationships with significant others, our jobs, our grades, a degree, the colleges we go to, the material possessions you have, how many followers you have on your social media, our financial success. You don't have to try to strive after all of these things to find worth. And it also means you don't have to prove yourself. Because you have already been accepted and loved by our Father in heaven. Right? Even when the worst is known. Even when the worst is known about you, he offers his love to you. Do you believe that? Do you accept that? Or are you continuing to try to pursue your worth? and your acceptance in all of these things here under heaven. In all of these ways, we are basically living out lives as followers of Jesus, as saying we don't understand God's grace or his finished work for us. The burden of always having to prove your worth to your parents, your bosses, your spouse, your children, whoever, means we don't understand because it is the antithesis of God's grace for you and for me, it is only through Jesus' perfect record and his life and his accomplished, finished, perfected work that I am perfect, that I am loved, that I am worthy, that I am holy, and that I am free from the bondage of trying to prove myself. There's another movie that pictures this so well for you and for me. Who is seen Encanto? It might, become, it might have become my favorite Pixar movie, even over Toy Story. But it's this beautiful film of this Colombian family who lives in this magical house. And with every descending children, they are also given a magical gift. Some of them have the gift of perfection. Some of them have the per- gift of strength. Others could predict dreams and prophecies. But there's the central character, Mirabel has no gift, no magical gift. And so she struggles with being ordinary. She struggles with being insignificant. She struggles with being unworthy. And throughout this film, by the end of it, she comes to realize the things of this world, gifts does not define her. We are more than what we do or what we have. And though the film tries to grasp at straws in what actually brings us meaning and significance, here in Jesus' sixth word, we have it. We have our identity. we We have our worth. We have our significance. And our identity is in Christ's finished work. Tetelestai, he has done it all for you and for me. Rest in that, brothers and sisters. Family of God, rest in that. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you that your Son finished it all on the cross. Fully, once and for all. And we do not have to try to earn or prove our worth or or justification. But it is only through Jesus Christ and his work on the cross that we can be able to rest and find our satisfaction and significance in you. So Lord, I pray that I know for all of us, myself included, we struggle to believe this, but Lord, I pray that as we come to the table, may that become a reality, that your finished work on the cross is enough for us. Your grace is enough, and may we be able to this week rest in that. We thank you for your work and your completion on the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.